Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited because we get to jump into a wonderful topic. So we'll go ahead and get started. I'm Tanya. And I'm Michael. And today we're going to talk about discipleship, but not just discipleship, discipling our children. And one of the foundational verses that our ministry is really founded on is Deuteronomy 6. Specifically, um, well, there's a lot of different little verses in here that I absolutely love, but starting from verse 4. So let's go ahead and just jump in to read it. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You should bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be the fortlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. And we'll stop right there. Verse nine, this is foundational to parents. There's different aspects here that we want to discuss. And, and Michael, I know you'll probably get a little bit more detail into, but one of my favorite verses that I tend to quote a lot and we use a lot in the house is Deuteronomy 6, 5, where, you know, we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And Jesus said that in the New Testament, and it really is foundational because as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, you know, how do you do that? How do you love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your soul? And then the next uh, couple of verses, he gives us a command that as we love him, as we abide in him, as we walk with him, as we think about him, then we are to teach our children diligently about who God is at every given moment. When we sit down at the kitchen table and eat, when we go to sleep, when we're walking in the neighborhood and seeing the trees and the birds, because why God created it all. And everything that we do, we bring God in the conversation to teach little children who this big, awesome, wonderful creator of all things is. And it's a command for us to do. And it's a shame not to do it because you're you're not abiding in God's word when we just don't teach God's word to our children, passing down the godly legacy to our kids and knowing that when we abide in him, then our children will learn the word and our hope and our prayer is too, that they would carry that on into their children and next generation and so on. So Michael, do you want to dive in a little bit into Deuteronomy? Yeah, I wanted to un unpack this a little bit, this important discipleship principle 
bound up in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and the surrounding verses. This was called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, hear Shema. And, O Israel, that the Lord our God is one and shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. And what does that mean? What, Lord, do we love with all our heart, soul, and mind? That's where the idea of piety versus um, doctrine comes in scholasticism, piety versus scholasticism, relationship with the Lord and sound doctrinal knowledge. They go hand in hand. We are to be passionate about the Lord relationally, that we are just love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. But which Lord is this? That's where the doctrine comes in, where we teach God's commands and his statutes and his mm-hmm. judgments. As yeah. we back up on a look at verse six, one is how this is the commandment that these are the statutes, commands, and judgments that mm-hmm. we are to teach and to observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. What land is that? A land full of Canaanites and, and pagans. And so the purpose of that in verse two is that you may fear the Lord, Yahweh himself, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, mm-hmm. to keep all his statutes, to stay yeah. strong in the faith, to believe in the one true God. I command you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life. This is a family command. He is commanding parents yes. to pass this on yes. to your son mm-hmm. and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged, that may be well with you, that you may receive the blessings of the Lord. And he's pleading in 6-4, hear Shema, O Israel. The Lord, our God, is one. He is the one and only true God, Yahweh Elohim. He is the one you are to believe in. He is the God that is spoken of in the law. He is the one you are to love with all your heart. You're not just supposed to believe any God, any God that you make up, any idol that you want to serve, but the God of the Bible whose yes. commands and statutes we follow with all our heart, and you shall teach them to your children diligently. What does that mean? With care and conscientiousness, diligently, fervently to your children. This is supposed to be a passion that we are to teach strongly to our children who Yahweh Elohim is and what he commands us to do. And when do we do that? When we sit in our house, these are your family devotionals that we have where we just sit around and talk about the things of God. We uh, read scripture, we memorize scripture And we talk about the things of God and what this scripture means. Also in verse seven, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, this is when just as we go, we're constantly referring to God's blessing and how and applying God to our daily life to where this is not just an academic exercise that we have in the morning, but this is on our lips that we are talking about God. Every He is a part of our conversation and everything that we do all the time. And when you rise up, the first thing in the morning, that's the first thing we have is a prayer on our lips and a devotion in our heart where we are just praising God for who he is and talking about them to our children. Then verse eight, this is where the doctrine comes in, where you shall bind them, these commandments, these statutes, and these judgments as a sign on your hand and on the frontlets of your eyes. The Hebrew people took this so literally that they put scripture in what they called phylacteries and literally bound them on their hands and on their forehead between their eyes as a way to remind them that this doctrine of who God is that binds us in believing in the one true Yahweh Elohim is to be on our hand. In other words, everything we do shall be on the frontlets between our eyes. In other words, in our every thought and how we think and how we approach 
the world. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. It governs what our house believes and what our house does. And on your gates, it determines how we operate out there in public life. This was such a central discipleship principle Hero Israel, Shema, pay attention to this very important central command to teach to your children. So this faith of the one true God, the Yahweh Elohim will continue on, not just to, in yourself and, and die out, but will continue to your children and to your grandchildren. They would recite the Shema every morning and every evening, and they wanted to die with the Shema on their lips. This was so important. This is a central command from God two parents to raise up children in the way they should go the way God's way, the way of Yahweh Elohim, who he is and who his character is and what he commands, what his judgments and statutes are. That is the parents responsibility to teach that to their children. And it, this is a central concept that we don't want to get past us as as parents and is our primary duty as parents. Everything else gets away from us, but this, we have done our job as parents. If we do everything else in the world and teach them how to be su uh, success and make money, but we don't teach them how to keep their faith and pass through the gates of heaven, we have failed as parents. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have failed as parents. This, if everything, we say we don't have the time to do this, and, and everything else gets in the way. No, no, this is what we do first and everything else has to work around this. We must have those family devotions every morning and talk about this with our children. Wow, that's great. You got us really rolling there. And I got fired up on that one. I got, yeah. the, I got the preacher going in that you, one. I don't know where that came fired from. fired up. But you know, it's good because as parents, we need to be fired up. It is a charge that God has given us. And like what you just said, we would fail. We fail. We have to answer to the almighty God to show him what we've done with our family. Have we taught our family anything about him or have we devoted our entire lives to share and to teach our children? It really is that that's it. What are you going to do? Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to serve man? And it's a big deal. And so it's, it's a command that we should take very seriously. And I know that when we decided to have children, we knew that is our primary teaching in our home because our house is founded on Christ. Christ is our solid rock and that's where we stand. And so I want to talk about discipling our children right away. Let's even go right in the womb. And a lot of people don't think about that. Well, how do you disciple a baby that's in the womb that has no understanding or anything? I think that is just such a wrong perspective. Babies in the womb know what their parents' voices sound like. Why? Because the mother's talking, the father's talking. So the babies, when they come out, they look for that sound of the mother to comfort them. That's my mom or that's my dad because they've been hearing the voices for nine months in the womb. And one of the things that people don't think about, and I've talked to many women that have been pregnant. And when I was pregnant, what I would do is one of my things I love to do is I love to worship God. I love music. I love to put the music in my ears. I love to hear it. I love to sing it. So why not put 
the music on your belly. When you are pregnant with your beautiful child that the Lord has made intricately and breathe breath in them, why not allow them to hear that? I would put little headsets on my stomach and put my pants over them so that they wouldn't fall off. And I would blast the music. And it's so funny, even to this day, I always tell my daughter, you moved around so much in my belly. And she's like, mommy's because I was dancing. Yes, because you were dancing to the worship music because the Lord, you guys were having like worship service in the womb. And so I just think that that is right away teaching our children, who are we worshiping? And what is awesome is that Psalms 78 says that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Wow. Okay. That is just amazing because they're not born yet. They're in the womb. And here we are playing worship music. Yeah. It's a concept that a lot of times we don't realize. You know, when do we start a discipleship with our, our children? When are they able to understand? You start it right away. You start in the, the moment that you realize we're pregnant and we start in the womb and the discipleship doesn't end until you pass away and your words hopefully continue to echo past when you're gone into eternity for the next generation and the next generation. But when does it begin? Right away, even in the womb. It's amazing what they can understand. John the Baptist leapt in the womb when he came into the presence of Jesus. His spirit understood and you know, his mind can understand some things as well and starts the mind of those in the womb still are forming uh, neural pathways and start to form. You want those neural pathways already forming uh, with the sounds of Jesus and God's word and his music and his praise. I mean, there's all kinds of literature research out there that talks about the benefits of just playing classical music and talking to your child that just really helps them out in later development and really starts helping to form the brain in its development. While you're doing that, why not play, read scripture? Why not play praise music uh, to Jesus? They can hear, their spirits can hear, their spirit understands so much more than their brains, but even so, their brains also understand. And, and what an awesome thing to not only hear your voice and start to learning your voice, but already they're starting to connect your voice with a discipler, their primary discipler, teaching them the word of God. You know, Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train him up in the way, God's way that we've talked about this before, but train him up came from the Hebrew Hanok, which literally meant its etymology, its history came from the phrase, touch the palate from the concept that before a baby could even eat hard food from the parents and was still on milk, the parents would mush up that spicy hard food and touch the palate of their child so they could get used to eating that food. And it started to become that concept became uh, ingrained in their culture that it became a phrase, an idiomatic phrase, like hold your horses means wait. Well, touch the palate means train them up before your child even understands what's going on. Start training them before that, before they even understand. They catch on more than you know. They're already starting to form those neural pathways in the brain uh, structured around the word of God. Train them up in the way they should go 
right away. Your discipleship starts the moment you realize you're pregnant. Yeah. And it doesn't stop, like you said, and it should not stop. Our jobs should continue into our grandchildren. We should have the great opportunity to disciple our grandchildren. So our job is not done, like you said, until we are in heaven and we leave this earth. But, you know, continuing on as we're talking about the womb, now you're talking about a baby phase. And one of the things that we would do to disciple our infant was to read the word of God. We would always have scriptures playing. We would have worship music playing. We would also have sermons. We speak Spanish in the household. So a lot of the things that we did was always in Spanish, just the biblical terms, everything. We honestly did not really read too much of the children's Bible. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. We wanted to stick to the main Bible and teach our child from the Bible. And we did go through some of like the children's books, but we just felt like some of the children's book kind of gives you a high level of a story or, you know, a situation in the Bible. But we really wanted to get into the word of God and just really lay it all out and start reading the Bible. We started when she was born, we would come down, we would have breakfast and we would just read the Bible and she would just sit there and eat and it would just continue and continue for time after time. And we just kept going through the Bible. I think we're now going on our third time going through the Bible with our daughter, the entire Bible. And this time we're actually going detail by detail with the verses. But one of the things I did want to mention, which was really interesting. So I personally, I am really big on memorization. Memorization is something that I learned as a child I was not a believer, but I would learn how to memorize things, especially for school so I could pass those tests. Oh. <laughs> um, but passing those exams and doing memorization, I could look at a page and remember what was on that page, exactly where it was on the left or the right, on the bottom of the top. And so I had almost, almost a photogenic memory. And I would remember just memorizing things, getting the details and things like that. But when I became a believer, I spent the first two years really digging in the Bible and really beginning to learn verses, verses and then chapters and full chapters so that I could just get them in my heart and God really uses it. I mean, he says in John 14 that he brings those things in remembrance, those things that we need at those moments. So I took that passion that I had of memorization and I brought it into my daughter's life. And I would read the Bible. And one of the things I wanted to test out was let's go ahead and do uh, the armor of God. I think she was two years old. She wasn't really saying that much, but it was funny because we did it in Spanish. So I would read one verse for a week over and over and over, then two verses, then three and so on and so on. And I would say she was probably about two and a half, maybe a little bit older than that. And I was like, okay, we're going to do the armor of God. Of course, this is in Spanish. She finally said, mommy, no. And she recited the entire armor of God. My mouth dropped and Michael and I looked at each other like, Whoa, she just quoted the entire armor of God, not the pieces, not the helmet and the shoes, like 
the details from the ESV version that I was teaching her. And I knew that she had a mind to memorize. And a lot of people underestimate their children that, oh, they're too young to memorize. or Oh, they can't understand those words. No, we teach them because God has given them the mind and the heart to be able to receive. And my daughter knows the armor of God. And so we moved on to different verses, big chunks. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes. We just got the Beatitudes last year. And you know, it's one of those things that it's a passion. If it's a passion, you're going to teach. If you're passionate to ride a bike, you're going to teach your kids to ride a bike. If you're passionate to be a runner, you're going to teach them. So if you're passionate about God's word, it's going to come out in your family. It's going to just be such a gift to your child to be able to teach them the things that God has taught you. Yeah. And you know, if anybody's overwhelmed at uh, how to do all that, I think it's important to just have a kind of central focus on this. It, it, to me, it's important to just think about it this way, to always have sometime during the day, we prefer the mornings works best for us. We've heard of some that like to have Bible time during the dinner. That's when everybody happens to be there. But if it's simply just read through a section of scripture, whether a chapter or a certain section on a cohesive story of scripture, and then just talk about it and then ask questions about it and then start asking questions about the whole Bible. You can make it fun. If you have several children, it can be a game like a Jeopardy game and you, you get a prize if you get things right. If you have one child, we have one child. So we give her like a prize, a, a little Pocky stick, a little shout out to Pocky, I guess. And it's a chocolate like covered yummy stick. <laughs> right. So it just makes it fun. Whenever she gets one right, then she gets uh, a little Pocky snack. And so that's about you know, what is it, 16 or so questions that we go through throughout the whole Bible, just questions that we can think of. If if you can't think of uh, questions to ask, I know sometimes it's like, I got to ask a dis- different question. I can't ask the same one every time and it, nothing's coming to mind. I just go online and kind of look for some questions of the Bible to ask, or we have some cards with Bible questions on it. I try not to ask anything too trivial. You know, you want to ask kind of the main players in the Bible um, and, and such. You don't want to get down into very fine details. But sometimes after they start knowing all the answers, you start getting into more and more details. And by going over that every day, it's amazing how much Bible knowledge they have. And it's great to have that firm base of just knowing things about the Bible. And they see you reading through scriptures. It's so important that this is what you do every morning, like Deuteronomy 6, as you rise up, the first thing you do is just have a Bible study. You know, we don't set aside time to make sure everything happens with a lot of other things, but they see, whoa, there's something special about this book that we have a special time sometime throughout the day that we are reading through it. We're asking about it and discussing it, applying it to life and, and situations you know, as much as we can. And we just see the primacy, the, the primary importance of God's word in our home when we do that. And we can do that at all age levels and ask different questions. And we even read hard parts of the scripture uh, with our five-year-old. And when we went through the scripture before, when she was younger, you have to be a little bit more selective and mainly go through the main stories of the Bible. 
But as we go through it the second time, it's like, oh, she's older. She understands a little more and we get a little bit more detailed as we're going through. And now it's where it's taken us longer to go through the Bible because we can read through more of these details more and ask those questions. And we can structure this differently to the different ages, but always keep in mind of the touch the palate concept. A lot of times our tendency as parents is to wait too long long after they've been fully capable, like you, Tanya, had, had talked about with the memorization. You know, we're not saying our child is any anything special. We all think our child is special, but there's something special about all children at a young age just have the ability to memorize things that we kind of lose later on as adults. And I'm a firm believer it's because we're not training our memories like we used to. Back in the day when you didn't have as much books they would memorize whole books of scripture. You had rabbis that would memorize the whole Pentateuch or the old, the whole Old Testament. Not everybody had Bibles on hand, the scrolls. Uh, they only some of the, the wealthy had them or, or they might have been scrolls in, in the temple. But in your house, it's not like you had 50 scrolls of all the scriptures. You literally had them bound in between your eyes and in your hand that the eyes, the memory you memorized, you had scripture in your mind. You memorized scripture. It's just amazing how we've we've lost that ability. We've kind of sometimes gotten too um, dependent on technology and being able to look things up and we haven't trained our memory. If we can start right away, touch that palate and get them used to memorizing scripture as just a part of life, you'll be, you'll be amazed at how much they can memorize. Yeah. And I know we're talking about memorization, but also to continue what we teach, we do our daily routine by coming together. Like you were saying, Michael, we come in the morning, we do our devotion. Michael leads us in our devotion. We talk through it and we actually have songs <laughs> for memorization because when she was little, I would make up songs to go with the verses because little children love that. And it just made it so much easier for her. And to this day, we sing a lot of those, but there are some verses like, you know, can you really sing Psalm 23? I mean, I'm not a singer, so I, you know, I can't come up with some great tunes for that, but you know, some verses you just have to say, and we go through that routine. And like you were saying, we do questions and some hard questions. I think uh, questions that I probably wouldn't have gotten until, you know, we went through all this exercise. And this isn't to brag or to show, but this is to teach, to to show that, you know, it is doable. Our daughter enjoys it. And what is amazing about the things that we've done, we've invested our hearts to teach her who God is and how important he is to me, how important he is to Michael. And we have the Bible with us at all times. We pray. I mean, our daughter sees that we have a dependency on Jesus Christ. Like this isn't stuff that we just go to church on Sunday. This is everyday life and how we show her that we do devotions individually. Everybody in the house is praying and doing their own Bible studies. And she's still not at that age to try to do that on her own because she still wants us to be helping her. And then we do a family devotion, which is important for us to do that. But on top of 
all that, it's so key for us to keep teaching, to keep being diligent. And, you know, when we go to bed at night, we pray. When we get up in the morning, we pray. And, you know, we're not perfect over here. Like we don't have it all together, but we definitely put Jesus first in our home and teaching the scriptures are a critical thing. And, you know, it's it's amazing how much we've invested in her because even at Sunday school class, I, I just have to use this example. I love the book of Kings and Chronicles and Samuel both first and second Samuel. Those are like my go-to books for some reason. God has drawn me into those books. I love the kings. I love how you've got good kings and bad kings and some kings, they fall away, but they come back to the Lord. And so one of the biggest things I enjoyed teaching our daughter was let's learn some kings. Let's learn some good kings and some bad kings. And so we went through who are the first four or five kings of Israel. And everybody tends to forget um, the second king. But we went through all the first, the first and second, third king. And we made a song up for the second king. So she went to Sunday school class like six or seven months later. And one of the teachers was talking about kings. And they talked about who was the second king of Israel. And I hope I'm saying it right in English, Ishboshek. We call him Ishboshek because that's how we say it in Spanish. But the teacher basically said, it's Ishboshek. And she was like, yes, I know that because I've learned about the kings. And that's amazing because she's not learning this stuff right away. It's we're doing our job. We're teaching. We can't teach every single detail but we're going to get there. And that is our job to continue to do that and to talk about it, to write it on the doorpost of our house. There's so many things that impacts her life to be able to know and go into a setting and help to teach because she's ready to teach others. And I'm just so thankful that her heart is so willing and ready to accept God's faithfulness in her heart with the knowledge that he's given her because of our due diligence to teach her. And that is key. Is it a priority in our life? Is Jesus Christ a priority in our life? Do we want to pass this on to the next generation? Do we want to leave a godly legacy? Those are things that are super important for us. And I want to honor God with the child that he has given us. Because remember, our children do not belong to us. They belong to God first. We are stewards of our children. God has given us a great privilege and a great, amazing journey in life to be able to teach our children, learn more about ourselves through our children, and also to be able to teach and raise a new godly generation. Yeah. And it's that mixture of passion 
and doctrine. Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. How do we teach passion? They see the passion in us. They see us uh, excited about the word. They see us putting it as a, the primary thing that we want to read and study and discuss in our family. They just see the passion, how we want to help others and serve in the name of Jesus. They see us going to church and just loving the Lord and love, loving others and teaching classes. They see it. It's modeled for them, but they also get that doctrine of which God to believe in. We believe in the Yahweh Elohim of the Bible is spoken of throughout the Old Testament and prophesied of the Messiah, Jesus, who came to die for our sins so we can live with him forever. It is the God of the Bible who teaches us all the commandments and statutes and judgments that he commands us to follow, that we bind on our hand and between our eyes, that we are teaching diligently to them. We are teaching them that passion. We are teaching them that doctrine and so, so that we pass on our faith to our children and to our children's children. Yes. And I do want to say one more thing too, uh, regarding discipling our children as we get into the word and as we continue to go through the Bible and talking more in depth, of course, as they get older, you're going to get more into the exegesis and start getting deeper in the word. But even right now at five years old, almost six, our child can question some of the things. If someone were to tell her uh, an example, one of the biggest things that we've been talking about lately is the wise men uh, in the book of Luke. Most of the time people portray it as three wise men, but the Bible does not say three. And so I questioned my daughter asking her, how many wise men were there? And she's like, well, three. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, because that's what my children's book says. And I'm like, but does that really say it in the Bible? Because your children's book is going to be different from the, the actual Bible. And so we looked at it together. I said, it says it could have been a hundred. It could have been 20. It could have been two. We have no clue how many, because the Bible does not state that. And there's three gifts. So people automatically associate, well, there's three wise men, just like there was no name for Lot's wife. So, I mean, these are things that we have to teach our children. So I just always want her to really look at the word for herself and even for myself, I, I have to look at some things if something is said in a message and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember that. Let me go back and look at it. So it's just doing uh, a check confirming in the Bible what it states and how it's interpreted using exegesis and really teaching that. But that gets down the road. But if you're really thinking about doing memorization for older children, or if you think, well, my child's already 13 or 14, you know, memorization, start now. I mean, it would be applicable to what you would be doing. So I memorize scripture and I basically say it over and over and over. I take one verse at a time and I associate some of the words and put them together and memorize them. Um, others write down the verses. I mean, whatever is applicable, but whatever is applicable to you, but your child, it's so important to get that word in their heart and then they can see that and God will transform their hearts and let them see more of his character. So I just think that this is such an important topic 
that we continue to do as parents to really be led by God's word, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse seven, specifically, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It's really important. And also just thinking about how impactful that is to the generations to come. And then it leads us to what Joshua said in chapter 24, verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that is where we stand. We love this verse, Deuteronomy uh, 6, verse 4 through 9. We stand on it. We disciple our child. We press on and we continue to do it with fervency because we love the Lord, our God, with all our hearts, our souls, and our mind. And as Jesus added, in our strength. And may everything that's within us as parents press on because it is obedience to God to teach our children and continue to show them who God is in our lives. So with that... We're going to end this podcast on a really high note. We're so excited because this is such a passion for us to really be teaching about our children. Deep desire, this generation, many children are led by the world's view. And we as parents need to grab a hold of that and raise godly, passionate Jesus followers. So, With that, we will wrap this up and we really appreciate our listeners and we'd love to hear your feedback. You can reach us on Instagram at Colormania. And with that, until next time. God bless.